the occult, the news, and plenty of booze. Welcome to the One Drunk Hole Podcast. Here's your host, Witch Dragon. Okay, good afternoon, good evening, good day. This is your host for the main show, One Drunk Hole Podcast. I am your host, Witch Dragon. I hope everyone's doing well. Everyone's doing good. So, I'm going to try and do all this in one shot, so we can get right to the point a little quicker. Okay. Here we go. So, first, I'd like to thank Anchor slash Spotify Podcast, Wisdom, and everywhere else my podcast is at, whether I remember exactly where I'm at. No, not always, but I think I'm on Apple Podcast too. God knows wherever else. So, regardless, I'd like to thank all the platforms that I'm on and all the platforms I will be on in the future. That's number one. Number two, I'd like to thank all the people who've been listening to my show from the beginning until now. I thank you all. That's number two. Number three, if you'd like to book a reading with me, please email me at psiwork101 at yahoo.com. I accept Venmo, Cash App, PayPal. All right. And I do more than tarot and oracle cards, just to name a few. So So there's also that. All right. All that being said, now my computer... I need to get more memory, more RAM on, whatever. But I'm going to try and read this article. Hopefully that's stopping. Otherwise, worst comes to worst, I might just have to summarize. You know, we only have two to read. I don't think they're that long. At least I don't think so. And, of course, we'll get to the main event of Brother Love. Because, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll explain. All right. Now, so I'm going to give you the rundown of of what we're going to be talking about. And it's more, obviously, it's going to be my impressions, my thoughts, my opinions. So, obviously, everyone is innocent until proven guilty. But, and however, we're still going to talk about it. So, I appreciate your time. And we, and we probably will deviate off of that and go into other experiences related to stuff like this anyway. I'll try not to make it too depressing, but well, yeah. Alright. So, let's begin. (sighs) And of course, my birthday, at least time of recording, is in a couple days. Literally. So, there's that. But I'd also welcome in, like to welcome in everyone who's listening. Welcome in, welcome in, and thank you to all people who listen to my show. I really appreciate that, and I appreciate you. Okay, so, before we start, I'm getting this from ABC, or I'm getting this from msn.com slash en slash US News World Federal Gaza Live Updates. Or you can go to ABC News. Dot com, if I'm not mistaken. So, you can get this from there as well. Alright, so at the time 
that I see on my computer, it, it was posted 19 minutes ago. It probably is a little longer, and there is a video that you guys can watch. I'm not playing it, because even though you know it's from ABC and MSN, I'm not getting in trouble for that. I will read it to you, but you can go to Worst Comes the... Well, not Worst Comes... That's so rude the way I said ABC News, if you want to watch the video, which I'm sure it is there. All right, so here we go. And, of course, it has things to click for updates from previous days, if you want to go there. I'm not going to do that, because that will just take too long. But if you want to, there you go. All right. And, yes, I will give commentary in between, just, you know, because you know that's how I do it anyway. I think that's how most people do it. Anyway, I'm rambling, so let's just get to it, shall we? Because I know I'm going to be taking forever if I don't, you know, get right, crap, get right to it. All right, so here we go. Thousands of people have died and thousands more have been injured since the militant group Hamas, or, and I'm not trying to be funny, I, I think I'm pronouncing it right, but I'll spell it on the off chance, H-A-M-A-S, launched an unprecedented un un surprise attack on Israel on October 7th. And Israel retaliated with a boom bomb booming campaign and total siege of the neighboring Giza or Gaza and strip leaving the region of the, of the ver verge of all at war and of course as i said it has updates you want to click on that okay all right so today latest developments three doctors killed in a strike at all at all awada hospital i'll spell it because i'm butchering the the word unfortunately Al slash AWDA hospital. Three doctors were killed in a strike at Northern Gaza Alwada Hospital, according to Doctors Without Borders. The hospital said only medical personnel and patients and the injured were inside the facility at the time. Hospital officials called on the international community to provide a safe corridor for the evacuation of patients and medical staff. We mourn the loss of our colleagues, Doctors Without Borders said in a statement. We condemn this, this strike in the strongest terms and call yet again for the respect and protection of medical facilities, staff, and patients. We reiterate our call for an immediate ceasefire to prevent more deaths in Giza. Or Gaza. Okay. All right. I'm going to read. Well, actually, I'm going to hold for a minute. All right. I don't know where to begin, y'all. I, I really don't. And and when I say this, please, please do not take offense to it. I mean no disrespect. And obviously, I'm not in that region, so I will never, even as an empath, even as a psychic, I will, or as a person, how about that? Let's just make it simple. As a person, I will never really know what that feels like, and I hope I don't. So again, all that being said, please know where this is coming from, but it still comes from a good place. Maybe it'll be an ignorant place, but still in the best of intentions. This is why I don't always, this is at least partially why I don't always keep up with this. Because it feels like, frankly, no matter what, what era, what year, what decade, what, damn it, what I want to say, which century? 
it always feels like the same thing. Obviously, there's differences. Obviously, there's nuances. I understand that. And, and, and war, unfortunately, happens in any country. So the Middle East is not, doesn't have a monopoly of it, of course. But, but, sad thing is, I feel like no one, and again, when I say no one, I don't blame the civilians or innocent people. That's not who I mean. But leaders, I feel like, in my opinion, I feel like no one ever learns anything from this. And I'm not even talking about the financial totalities, of course. No. I'm talking about the people's lives being lost and etc. It's like no one learns anything. It's like rinse and repeat. I, again, please don't take what I'm saying as me just trying to be some ignorant person. Far from it. Or insensitive or callous. No. But it just feels like it's this different decade, same shit. Again, I know there's nuances to this. Yes, there is differences. But again, it still feels like the same stuff, just different decade. And it's very sad. And I really wish people would actually learn from this so we could stop this. Is that going to happen? I don't know. And I know it doesn't just happen in the Middle East, even though, yes, this does sound ignorant. I actually didn't think of Israel in the Middle East for some reason. Don't, don't ask me why. I don't know. It makes no sense. I know. I know. I think I block it out of my mind. <laughs> I'm, it's the only thing I can tell you, because otherwise I have no excuse on why I didn't think Israel was in the Middle East. Again, what can I say? I, I will admit my ignorance. And I mean no disrespect, I promise. However, all that being said, I really wish people would learn to do better. Now, that may be overly simplistic. Yes, it is. And obviously there's nuances. Yes, of course. How can there not be? But I stand by what I said. Again, in the highest respect. And yes, I do know that war doesn't just happen in the Middle East. No, it don't. As we all know with Russia and Ukraine and everywhere else that's ever happened. Currently or past. But unfortunately, it just seems people don't ever really want to learn from it. And that really is sad. Can I say I'm surprised? I wish I could be surprised. No. No, I'm not. Alright, so I'll read a couple more. I think I split off in a few little whatevers. But it is posted today, so... Alright, so let's continue. Israel hopes 50 hostages will be released within four days, senior officer. Which is read the headline. Israel hopes to secure the release of at least 50 hostages within four days, according to a senior Israeli officer with knowledge of the negotiations. If that's the case, I hope so. I really do. All right. The official told ABC News on Tuesday that all Israeli security forces and agencies are in favor of the proposed deal with Hamas. 
or H-A-M-S, just in case I'm pronouncing it incorrectly, which was broken by, I'm going to spell this because I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, Q-A-T-R. For two weeks, Israel was against accepting Quater's official offer. The officer said, among other things, the government did not want to allow people to return to Gaza, to northern Gaza, excuse me, during the ceasefire period. The official said, Israel also wanted to eliminate the entry of the fuel into Gaza, or Giza, to only the days of the ceasefire, according to the official. And of course, there's a link to a video if everyone wants to go look at it, if you haven't already looked at it. And of course, it's ABC News, Jordana Miller. Just to make sure I give credit where it's due. All right, All right we'll read one more. Hostage deal would involve pause in fighting lasting four to five days, U.S. official. Okay, so it continues on from there. A, a U.S. official told ABC News the hostage deal would involve Hamas releasing 50 women and children in exchange for a pause in fighting that would last for, like it said, four or five days. The deal would also involve the release of three Palestine or Palestinian prisoners for each Israeli hostage, the office, the official said. Yeah, I think it's official. Official said. My apologies. The Palestine, the Palestinian prisoners are not considered hostages. Some of them were imprisoned prior to the conflict. Okay, interesting. No? And of course, it has a picture of relatives who have families. I'm, I'm family members I want back, just to give you a heads up when you look, go look at the article. And lastly, continuing the official. The officer or official cautioned that the deal is not done. President Joe Biden has been personally involved in the negotiations, urging the Emir of Qatar, or Qatar, or K A or Q A T A R, just in case I am pronouncing it very incorrectly. My apologies again. To pass Hamas to accept the deal and urging Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin, I'm gonna spell his name, y'all, because I. Mm -mm. N-E-T-A-N-Y-A-H-U to accept the deal according to the official. ABC News is Selena Wong. Okay. Okay. And then they're saying on the hostage deal. Alright, I'll just finish this part because this part's by Molly Nagel. And then we'll just end right there. Because there is more, but again, you can go to ABC News or go to www.msn.com slash en slash us slash news slash world israeli and gaza e in live updates okay there you go so you and i'll and for those of you who can who can't get articles i will leave a link all right moving forward we are now close we are now very close on hostage deal biden says president joe biden said tuesday that we're now very close on a deal to release the hostages being held by hamas by the president did not discuss more details we could bring some of the hostages home very soon, but I don't want to get into the details of things because nothing is done until it's done. And when we have more to say, we will. But things are looking good, Biden says. And, of course, there's a link to a video on the, on the article. And this is by Molly, ABC News, Molly Nagel. All right. So, again, if you want to go to the link, please go to ABC News or www msn.en/us/news/world/israel/gaza/live updates. Okay, so 
Now that we got that settled for the next two minutes, let's take a deep breath, because that was a whole lot. And of course, there's even more on that article, on those links, if you want to go look at it. Without my commentary, you can definitely look at and read at your release and watch the videos. Alright. And then we're going to read something really quickly. Hopefully they can come up on my computer. So there's that. And then you get the... And then we'll just go, you know, right, right to the point. All right. And, of course, I'll give links to the article, whoever's able to get links on this after time of recording. In between cars, beeping their horns. If you all heard that, I'm sorry. I paused, but I don't want to, you know, do anything to mess up my recording. <laughs> so, okay. So, again, this is from ABC News. And, again, go to, if you want to, all well, www.msn.com slash News. Political's former first lady, Rosalind Carter. Okay, there you go. All right. And, of course, there's a video on ABC News, or at least where I'm getting this is msn.com. All right. Well, if you want to make it easy for yourself, just type in former first lady. Anyway, if you want to read it without my commentary. All right, so moving on. Former first lady, Rosalind Carter, wife of the 39th president, dies at 96. Former First Lady Rosalind Carter, the wife of former President Jimmy Carter and a devoted advocate for mental health, died peacefully at home Sunday. The Carter Central announced she was 96. Rosalind was my, was my equal partner in everything I ever accomplished, Jimmy Carter said in a statement. She gave me wise guidance and encouragement when I needed it. As long as Rosalind was in the world, I always knew something loved, somebody loved and supported me. She is survived by her children, Jack. Chip, Jeff, and Amy, 11 grandchildren, 14 great-grandchildren, the Carter Central said. So I can do this real quick. That wasn't from the article. That was because my computer's, of course, being a little weird now. Besides being a loving mother... An extraordinary first lady, my mother was a great humanitarian in her own right, Chip Carter said. And of course, this is, my computer is being weird. Of course it is. I'll continue until I have to restart it. Okay. Her life of service and compassion was, was an example for all Americans. She will be sorely missed, not only by our family, but by the whole many people who have better mental health. All right, and of course my computer went walking, but that's where I left off. Now I'm going to try and get it back as soon as possible so I don't dawdle any further, and then we can just get right to it. Okay, yes, I know I'm repeating myself. Anyway, sorry, I'm mumbling because it, it got rid of most of my tabs, but it, it's whatever. Anyway. All right. All right. No way, I won't start over. I know where I left off for the most part. 
Sorry, I just saw some somewhat funny. I know. Y'all, like, what are you... How long are you going to take? Okay, I shouldn't take any longer now. Alright, so I'll continue. Her life of service and compassion was an example for all Americans, which I covered. She will be sorely missed not only by our family, but by the many people who have better mental health care and access to research for caregiving today. Rose, Rosalind Carter entered hospice care at home last week, six months after she was diagnosed with dementia. The Carter Center announced at that time her husband had been in hospice care at, at home since February the last the same year. Mrs. Carter has been the nation's leading mental health advocate for much of her life, and first in the Georgia governor's mansion, then in the White House, and later at the Carter Center. She urged improved access to care and decreased stigma about issues surrounding mental health. The Carter Center said in a statement after her dementia diagnosis. Mrs. Carter served as the country's first lady during her husband's only term as U.S. President from 1977 to 1981. The former first lady carved out a profound role at the White House, serving as an envoy abroad and as a political surrogate to her husband. She also raised four children, 12 grandchildren, and 13 great-grandchildren. In 1982, Jimmy and Rosalind Carter founded the Carter Center, a nonprofit, nonprofit excuse me if I can talk, that'd be nice, devoted to advancing human rights and elevating human suffering shortly after Jimmy Carter lost his re-election bid to Ronald Reagan. Eleanor, Eleanor Rosalind Smith was born in Plains, Georgia. Also, the hometown of her future husband on August 18, 1927, to Wilburn Edgar Smith and Frances Elethea Murray, one of her four children, including two brothers and a sister. She was named after Rosa, her maternal great-grandmother. Rosalind, Rosalind's father died of leukemia when she was 13 at as the eldest, she helped her widowed mother keep house and look after her siblings, while also working at a local hairdresser shop to earn spending money. Despite the demands on her time, Carter graduated as Plains High School's valedictorian in 1944. Throughout her childhood, Rosalind Smith's closest friend was Ruth Carter, whose older brother Jimmy Rosalind would eventually marry. The pair corresponded while Jimmy was a midshipman at the U.S. Naval Academy in, in Annapolis, Maryland. Take a pause there. Okay. We would continue to write each other letters. Former President Jimmy Carter said in a 2016 interview with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution celebrating the couple's 70th anniversary. Mostly her letters were about all the boys she was going with. I was in the Naval Academy, and I was kind of isolated from the outside world. Jimmy Carter proposed in December 1945, but Rosalind turned him down, demand, determined to first finish her degree at Georgia Southern College. Two months later, she changed her mind and accepted Jimmy's proposal during a visit to Annapolis. They were married on July 7, 1946, in the Plains Methodist Church that same year. She graduated from college, a naval family. For the first seven years of marriage, Jimmy Carr's career as a naval engineer and a commissioned officer kept the Carters moving from base to base. The couples, the couples, God, if I can pronounce that, it would be nice, the couples' three oldest children were born in far-long locations. John Williams, Jack Carter in Portsmouth, Virginia, James Earl Carter in Honolulu, 
Hawaii three years later, and Donald Jeffrey Carter was born in New London, Connecticut. Amy Lynn Carter, the first couple's only daughter, the first couple's only daughter, was born in Plains, Georgia in 1967. Jimmy Carter's naval duties, naval duties often left Rosalind Carter to deal with a period of solitude. I felt inadequate and very lonely, she said, of those times in an interview with PBS. American experience. Sometimes I cried, though I didn't let Jimmy know. He has no patience with tears. Thinking instead of that one makes the best of whatever situation with a smile, she said. I learned to be very independent. I could take care of myself and the baby and do things that I never dreamed I would do to be able to do alone. Rosalind added. From the family farm to the White House. After the death in 1953 of Jimmy Carter's former uh, father, former Jimmy Carter's father, former Georgia House of Representatives law, lawmaker James Earl Carter Sr., the Carters moved back to Plains, Georgia, to manage the family peanut farm, where Rosalind helped take care of the finances and without drawing a salary. In 1952, Jimmy Carter, Jimmy Carter, if I can talk, that would be nice, followed his father into politics when he, when he elected the first of two terms as, as a Georgia state senator. He was defeated in his 1966. I'm gonna spell that, y'all. G U B E R N A T O R I A L bid, but succeeded four years later to become the the state's 76th governor. As the first lady of Georgia, Rosalind Carter took on the duties of managing the operation of gardens of the governor's mansion. She also became a member of the governor's commission to improve services to the, to the mentally and emotionally handicapped, as well as an honorary chair of Georgia Special Olympics. Jimmy Carter announced his bid for the presidency in, presidency. Presidency. There we go. In December 1974, as his term as governor of, of of Georgia was ending, despite being a relatively relative unknown, he defeated incumbent Gerald Ford to win the 1976 presidential election. Not content to play the traditional first lady role, Rosalind routinely asked her husband about his decision-making process to the point that to the point that he invited her to attend cabinet meetings. According to PBS American Experience documentary, the first year Jimmy wasn't off, and I became so frustrated. Every night Jimmy would get off the elevator at the White House, and I would, and I would say, "Why did Why did you not do this? Or why did you do something?" She recalled one of the one day he finally said, "Why don't you come to cabinet meetings? Then you'll know why we do these things." So I started going in. It was always on the calendar, and I just listened. I didn't participate, but I listened, and then I knew why the decisions were made. Additionally, she routinely she God, if I can talk, she routinely. There we go. <laughs> God, it's sad. I get so happy about that. Sat in a National Security Council meeting that had traditionally been reserved for only the president and senior staffers. As a first lady, Rosalind Carter also made trips to the Caribbean, as well as Central and South America, and learned to converse in Spanish. 
The high-profile meetings placed her front and center in heated discussion about human rights. Demilitarization and, and narcotics. There we go. Alright. Rosalind Carter was also an influential force when her husband broke the peace talks about Israel. Prime Minister, I'm going to spell this. M-E-N-A-C-H-H-E-M begin and Egyptian President A-N-W-A-R Sadat that resulted at the, in the landmarks Camp David Accords in 1978. Trust me, y'all. You don't want me trying to pronounce all those names. Which in turn led to the Egyptian-Israeli peace treaty the following year. During her husband's re-election campaign in 1980, Rosalind Carter became the president's loyal surrogate, while Jimmy Carter was tethered to the White House amid the escalating Iran hostage crisis in, in which 52 Americans were held hostage in Iran for a total 444 days beginning November 4, 1979, the First Lady hit the campaign trail giving speeches at large rallies to fight her husband's Republican opponent, Ronald Reagan. Jimmy Carter's political star faded as the U.S. economy sagged and, rela and relations wor worsened with the Soviet Union. Those facts, as well as the re repercussions of the Iran hostage crisis, left him with a 20 1% approval rating. He won just six states in the District of Columbia and the presidential election for a total of 49 electoral votes compared to Reagan's 489 votes. The Carter's time in the White House was at an end. Okay. Okay, we're almost done. So, alright. So, we'll read the last part. National Treasure When Rosalind and Jimmy Carter returned to private life after leaving the White House in 1981, they kept fighting for people in need. Rosalind Carter pen penned a 1984 autobiography, First Lady from Plains, and numerous other books about mental health in 1995. She also co-authored, in between that motorcycle going by, Everything to Gain, Making the Most of the Rest of Your Life, with the former president about their time after leaving the White House. In 1982, the Carters established the Carter Center to promote peace and to be a champion of human rights. According to its website, the organization touches lives in 80 countries around the world, building houses for the homeless, helping farmers in developing nations, training nurses, and eradicating I'm going to print it. I'm going to spell it because I don't think... Anyway... G-U-I-N-E-E-A-A, warm disease. I, I, I don't think it's gonorrhea, but I think it's gonna... No, not gonna. Anyway, I'm gonna spell it again, because I really don't want to butcher it, and I think I would mess it up too much. G-U-I-N-E-A, worm disease. A debilitating pa parasitic infection spreading spread by drinking water contaminated with the worm's larvae. In 1986, the disease affected... 3.5 million people per year in 21 African countries, but by 2017, it had been reduced by 99.99% to just 30 cases, according to the Carter Center. 
Okay. Carter's also became the highest profile support of Habitat for Humanity, the nonprofit devoted to creating affordable housing. They personally helped to build, renovate, renovate and repair 4,390 house homes. I'm pronouncing that wrong, but you get it. It's a lot of homes, basically, in 14 countries. According to the organization, which also called Jimmy and Rosalind Carter two of the world's most distinguished humanitarians. And lastly, improving mental health and reducing the stigma of mental health had been had long been priority for the former first lady who carried the Carter Central Carter Center's mental health task force and each year hosts the Rosalind Carter Syndrome Symposium Symposium. There we go on mental health policy. She also teamed up with the first lady Michelle Obama to improve treatment for soldiers returning from Iraq and Afghanistan, suffering from post-traumatic stress syndrome. I hope I've contributed something to the mental health field, Rosalind said in, in, a two, in a 2013 interview in Parade Magazine, but I hope people will think I've had so many wonderful opportunities. I try to take advantage of them. In an interview with ABC News in 2021, the former president and first lady reflected on their extraordinary marriage and their years of service. We've been blessed to be able to travel the world almost. Rosalind Carter said in the interview, everything with Jimmy Carter has been an adventure. For his part, Jimmy Carter said, marrying Rosalind was the first most important thing in my life. I was happy and joyful and, and obviously long-lasting, he said. Rose said, did say, okay, finally, and staying with me all this long time, with all the, all this long has been the most wonderful thing in my life. And of course, if you want to read that without my commentary or missing up words, you can go to ABC News or go to msn.com slash en slash us slash news politics former first lady Rosalind Carter. Or Rosalind. Was it Rosalind or Rosalind? Well, either way, you get the idea. Okay. And now that we got that over with, because my computer is acting up, because, you know, of course it is. But we, get, but we did get through it this time, so there's that. Anyway, and there we go. All right, so now to the topic at hand. All right, by any other name, we're talking about Sean Combs, or as Jaguar Wright would call him, Honeycomb. That's what she calls him, not necessarily me. But if you want to, you know, if you want to type in Jaguar Wright, you can almost find her everywhere on YouTube. So there you go. Or P. Diddy, Puff Daddy. And I think he did legally change his name to Brother Love, hence why the title of the show. At least from what I understand it. Okay, so I don't think you can hit throw a stone anywhere without finding some version of what's going on with Kathy and Diddy. Or Brother Love. So I think he did legally... Legally changed his name to Brother Love, so I will try to respect that, no matter what he allegedly or didn't do allegedly. Alright, so I'm not going to go over everything blow by blow, frankly, because I think there's so many people who do a better job of that than I do. But we'll go over a summary, and then it really brings up, now that I've been thinking about this, probably way more than I should, 
broader conversations that I think need to be discussed. As not as appetizing as they are, I do feel they're important. Sad as they are, I still feel they're important. So, okay. So again, anyway, I'm repeating myself a word. Let's just get right to it. Alright, again. He was not charged criminally. He is innocent until proven guilty. Let's all keep that in mind. But... I'm also not going to be afraid to give my opinion, but I still need to say that not just because I don't want to get sued, not there's anything to be sued for, but because, you know, that's how we should treat everybody, including him. But, of course, I'm also not going to call Cassie a liar because, truthfully, I don't think she is. I could be wrong. I almost hope I am wrong because I don't want this shit to be true. But, anyway. All right, so, like I said, quickly I'll go over this. Okay, so... Suffice to say, Cassie was accusing Diddy of, you know, violating her, and that's a nice way of putting it, and trafficking and everything else. Everything else meaning, let's just say stuff with white nail polish and going from there. For a lot, for almost the entire time of their relationship, and allegedly going after Kid Cudi's car. To say the least. Now... I'm sure most of you know, or at least I presume a good amount of people know, that they settled a day later of the lawsuit. Now, I don't know exactly how much she's getting. People say different amounts, so I'm not going to speculate. But that's what's happened. And then, of course, I've also heard today on YouTube, again, you could type this in YouTube, and you could probably get way more details on it than, than I'm giving you, that I think him and Carisha, or Young Miami, whatever name she wants to be called, I will respect that. I think have... Well, and again, this is alleged, I don't know. Either distance themselves, or will distance themselves, or going to. Again, I could be wrong. So don't let me spread false information. This is just stuff that I have heard on YouTube. I will be honest. I do not know if that's true. They could be even closer, for all I know. Again, their business. However, however, there is other people coming out like Aubrey O'Day and giving her story, and she may, in my opinion, she may be the next one to come out or another person to come out to go after him. So just because Cassie cannot talk anymore, from what I understand, and so on, now that they've settled, that doesn't mean other people can't. And I understand people are all upset that she settled and blah, blah, blah. But, again, this was never criminal. At least, not as of yet, if ever. It was always civil. And people say, oh, she's just doing it for a money grab. And, if she was if she was violated, let's say, on any and all levels, then she has a right to go get some money. Good for her. And I, ho and I hope she got as much as she can. I have no problem with that, and I support her. And I'm not mad that she settled. If that's what she wants, then that's what I want for her. Not that she cares what I think or anyone else thinks, nor should she, I might add. This is about her. But I don't think what people understand is she did, do, you know, open the door for others. She did. So she did do something. Even by settling, she still did something. Because now other people can go after him, I would think, depending on limitations and statute of limitations. 
and well, take it to the next level. It's like a relay race. You know, you pass the baton to somebody else. I think that's what she did, and, I'm, and I support that. Again, let me reiterate. Brother Love, by any and all his other names, is innocent to proven guilty. Of course. As he should. And I want to make sure I say that, not just, you know, because I don't want to get sued, but because that's how I would want to be treated. If I, God forbid if I was ever in a court case. However... Unfortunately, there has been so much coming out over the years. I guess I'm not surprised. Not even just about the alleged gay or bisexual stuff. That That's not criminal. And I have my opinions on that, but that's neither here nor there. And that's all it is an opinion. Okay. So. Here's a bigger issue that I think everyone has to at least in my opinion, has to consider outside of Diddy or Brother Love or any celebrity or what he may or may not be too attached to allegedly with his other former girlfriend. Allegedly. And that whole family dynamic is this. This is the thing that I think is... Not more important, but just as important. Let's take Brother Love out of this. And let's take the celebrity out of it. Let's take it out, okay? Let's just take it out. I am glad that New York State gave people a little bit more time when it comes to statute of limitation to go after their abuser. I am. Now, and... Even if they couldn't extend it criminally, they at least gave people a little bit more time to go after their attacker civilly. And I think that's a blessing. Why, you may ask? For those of you who have listened to my show or will listen to my show, you know, I, let's just say not in the same level, allegedly, as what Cassie's been through. You know, but, you know, but let's just say I was, you know, violated or whatever by a pervert. By my much, much, much older nephew decades ago. And, of course, you know, CPS didn't care when they tried to stick me with relatives who were in contact with him and basically violated me that way. I won't go over that story again. If you all want to hear all about that, you can go to some of my past episodes. But, Surviving CPS 1, 2, you, you get the idea. Anyway, the miniseries, you name it. But, suffice to say, so... In that sense, I can, I won't say I know how Cassie feels, because I'm not her. I won't say I know how the other women or men feel. I'm not them. But I know how I feel. So, that's why I am glad that New York State extended, at least for a time, you can go after your abuser or whatever, civilly, at least. I mean, it does end, and it's going to end the day after my birthday, actually. But I'm glad they have that. I wish Hillbilly Country or Texas had that. I'm sorry for people who live in Texas. I just don't like your state. For my own reasons, which, again, go to those episodes, you'll get the idea. But, again, I wish mine had that. I can't even do that. You know, and, and again, everyone always wanted to protect my abuser, so fuck that. But I digress. 
So I'm glad New York State had that for people. And I get, because I've been posting topics about what everyone thought about it on my F, on my fuckbook page, as I like to call Facebook. And people, and, and someone said, there's more important things in the world to talk about. Well, there's always more important things in the world to talk about, I feel like, saying, what's your point? But you know what? This is important, too. Not because Diddy and Cassie or whoever is a celebrity, because it's wrong if that happened to do that to somebody. It's wrong. And it's wrong. So that's the bigger issue. Or at least it should be. But of course, I'm not going to get into some screaming match about that with somebody. So I just I just didn't answer it. I mean, I was going to delete their comment, but I'm like, alright, fuck it. I don't give a fuck. It can stay there. I'm just not going to answer it. I posted what I posted. I don't know why they felt the need to say anything if they felt that way, which is fine. Eh, people just want to bitch. Anyway. So that being said, y'all, here's my thing. Ultimately, this is good. Because it does seem that she might have had some strong evidence where he would be willing to settle. Again, we all know legally he's innocent to proven guilty as he should be. But still, I hope more people, whether towards him or other people who are not famous in the world, are able to go after their, their abusers civilly. At minimum, I hope they are. And to me, that's the bigger issue now thinking about it. You know, just like my much, much, much warmer, much older niece, you know, the pervert's sister, or as I like to call her, Big Ugly, tried to, you know, say, you know, we all want, I wish we all could go after people who all hurt us, trying to basically make light because I, I wanted to go after and sue him. Fucking bitch. Then again, she always was a person who's all ugly on the inside and out, so I can't really be surprised she'd say that. Of course, she also typed to try to blame their whole bag mama for leaving them because making like an excuse for him doing it to me. So, you know, whatever. In other words, the girl ain't that bright. Never has been. Anyway, but again, I digress. Ultimately, everyone should get justice, whether it's criminally, civilly, or both. You know, and even if it is a money grab. That doesn't mean shit didn't happen. That's the thing I think people have to understand. It's not always just one thing. Sometimes it can be a multitude of reasons. So, yeah. Let's be honest. I'm sure it was about money to an extent. Cassie going after Diddy. Good for her. Good for anyone that goes after him. If, that's the, if he did do it. Good for them. Yeah, it is about money. Why is that always a bad thing? Why? I'm completely fine with it. I admit I have a bias. I will fully admit that to everybody. I have a strong bias. Doesn't make me right. I will be clear and say that. But, whatever. Then again, it doesn't really matter what I think. They settled and that's that. But here's my thing. When it comes to anyone who's a victim of sexual abuse, whether celebrities or not, or regular everyday people or not, the bigger issue should always be get the justice that you feel you need. If it really is just civilly, I'm fine with that. If it's criminal, 
go do it if you're able. If it's both, get it. I don't know why people have an issue with people just going after someone civilly. It doesn't always mean someone is doing it out of lies or just a cash grab. And even if it is a cash grab, and why is that such an issue? If it really is true and it's not just BS, why not? If that's what if that's what you feel you need to do, that's fine. In my opinion. I don't know why that's an issue for people. I don't get it. I don't know. Listen, let's be serious. There's always going to be something going on in the world that's always going to take more precedence. But that doesn't make one trying to heal their trauma unimportant. And I think you have to remember that. But the overall objective is, whether it's Cassie, whether it's Diddy, whether it's allegedly anyone else after Diddy, or Brother Love, because I, I think that's what I understand he changed his name to legally, so even I would do my best to respect that that's how I would want to be treated. Or anyone else. Go after the justice and the healing that you need that you think will solve it and fit. Doesn't matter what I think, doesn't matter what this person thinks. You have to live with you 24 hours a day, not anyone else. So if you think going after someone civilly will heal you, I say go do it. If you think that money will heal you, well, maybe it won't. But if you think it does at that moment in time, just for the principle, do you. You have to live with it. So you have to find a way to make your peace with it. Just make sure you don't lose you in the end. So, I guess we're going to conclude, because I feel like I'm just repeating myself at this point. Congratulations to Cassie. And any other survivor of, of you know, Brother Love, or anyone else, a non-celebrity, just regular everyday people, just make sure you heal yourself, and if you feel you need to go after someone civilly, and you don't think you can do it criminally, do it. But just know it won't necessarily always be easy. Even if you don't win, if you feel you had to do it, you did the right thing. So I'm going to end here. But again, I'm going to reiterate this one more time. Brother Love or Diddy or Sean or whatever his name is or all of his names, he is innocent until proven guilty. However, that doesn't stop other people from having an opinion. But, there you go. And to the survivors of celebrities or non-celebrities, just remember to never lose who you are and to keep healing and keep growing and do whatever you think is right to get the justice and healing you need. So, on that note, we're going to end. My name is Witch Dragon, and I am your, the host of the One Drunk Ho podcast. I hope everyone... I don't know if you, I can, you can say you can enjoy this episode, but I hope everyone got something out of it, if nothing else. Thank you for your time. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye.